You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Arsenal Pass, episode 137. This week, we're going to be breaking down the recent Flesh and Blood World Championship in Barcelona. I am currently back home after my long travel. Hayden, I think, is in London right now, halfway on your way back. Um, And all I can say... Ah, not halfway. Not halfway. I, I forgot. Wish. I, I mean, wish. Te- you're you're through. You're on. You're halfway in the sense that you have two stu- uh, two legs, and you've done one leg, but the other one is definitely the worst one. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from the entire experience is that these economy flights and travel to international areas, they just. I feel like I literally age while I do it. Like it's just. <laughs> It's a freaking beatdown, man. Uh, I'm just really happy to be back. It was a fantastic weekend, but uh, man, this is the first time after a major event like this where I really felt like I needed a break. Hayden, um, you just want to jump right into your world championship experience from the perspective of a player. By the way, in terms of news, I guess there's not a lot of news this week, but the world championship was won by Alex a from Greece is his last sorry his last name is a sorry, little bit hard to name? say. <laughs> yeah, his last name is a little hard to say. He told me a few times after he won, but Alex A from from Greece won the world championship on five. Drafted Max both times in the draft rounds. Uh, if you had, he was a somewhat lesser known player. I know he'd won a pro quest prior to the world championships, but if you haven't had a chance to interact with him, um, he's a very very nice guy. Seems very humble, and I think you know as as a flesh and blood community, we've gone two for two on sort of stand up world champions so i'm happy mm-hmm. that alex is able to take it home but hayden your high level experience of the world championship as a player because i'm not sure even everybody listening to this knows even knows your record or how you did <laughs> well i have a lot to i have a lot to touch base on and on the on the world championship especially some things that we talked about in the pod last week uh, that we recorded just the day before the well about 36 hours before the world championships kicked off um including kind of going back over some of the things that i talked about from a personal perspective as well as um some things we talked about from a meta perspective uh some players that we had uh talked about actually who did very well at this event as well brendan and some players that didn't do as well including uh yours truly but first of all i wanted to you know bitch and moan a little bit more how long was your flight back to the u.s I know it's not as long as yours, but it's still. I think it's about half. I think it's about half the time. Mine's about twenty-four hours. I will trade you any day of the week. Uh, But yeah, it does suck. Yeah, I I clocked about fifteen-ish on the way back, considering layovers and delays and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, that is worse than I thought, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish Um, it was less. (laughs) I'm going to be hating myself about midway, somewhere over. Probably by the time we get to Africa, I would say I'm Sunday myself or um <laughs> yeah world championships look i mean definitely the worst weekend i've had in flesh and blood i just put that straight out there uh the toughest weekend i've had in flesh and blood from a a player standpoint uh i think i said in the pod last week i felt really unprepared probably the least prepared i'd ever felt for a professional event and um got got duly rewarded for that i would say brendan uh i i mean i can kind of talk through my event from a world championship standpoint but i mean overall the the world champs as an experience i think definitely uh an amazing event honestly there were so many people at this at this event in this venue there was i think around was it 
460 players in the world championships there was we can talk about the yeah. calling round <laughs> about round about 500 right so like 500 yeah. in the world champs like 500 ish in the calling and then mm-hmm. the sagrada uh, the sagrada de familia events were uh 700 to 900 7 we to 900 about, yeah yeah we, <laughs> we can, can talk, talk about, about that, that we're gonna talk <laughs> about that why that why that was and why yeah um but no awesome weekend barcelona i mean what a city uh i the first couple of days i said to you brendan we were in like a i think an uber or something i was like man i don't know about the city eh? i don't think much of it but i uh, i got the chance to i mean i can regale the whole weekend but i got to, well, to explore a bit more of the saturday uh, the, the city on saturday and it was uh it was awesome and it's a it's a very a, cool city there's a story that i actually forgot about which is the impetus the catalyst that sets the stage for the entire experience we had in barcelona and that is um we booked our airbnb two months ago uh, Two months ago, we were in a good location. We got a two months, uh, two month, you know, prior. I didn't mean longer. I didn't mean three months almost. Two to three months prior booking sort of price reduction, which is what happens when you book things in advance. And our Airbnb was canceled upon check-in. So I land off my flight after traveling for, you know, 15 plus hours, haven't slept. And then boom, it's it's canceled by the host. Airbnb tells us we can go uh, F ourselves and that whole debacle starts. So I had to find us a new place, stuck at the airport. Luckily, I was able to meet Sasha. Um, and it was just, it was hectic. And eventually, the TLDRs that we do, uh, we do find a new place, but it's um, almost, almost double. It's probably 40% more. It's in a much, much, much worse location and it's much smaller. Uh, luckily, after five or six support tickets, Air- Airbnb does refund us the difference between the two reservations, which is about as much as we could hope for. And it took a lot of work to get that. But um, yeah, as a result, our testing house and where we were staying, I moved on Wednesday to the to the streamer hotel or you know, LSS, whatever, working for Employee. LSS hotel. Um <laughs> was basically in like the suburbs of Barcelona. So it was pretty yeah. far away from everything else, uh, which honestly, it's not terrible, but it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer when you're away from the event, uh, the venue, all the testing teams and like the areas of Barcelona that make it Barcelona because we were like literally in an apartment block. Um, to be fair, so- we, had, we did have a view of um, La Sagrada Familia from our balcony, to be fair, to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, it, you had to squint to see it, but you yeah, you could see it out there in the distance. <laughs> Ultimately, it wasn't a it wasn't devastating, but not ideal. Uh, so we had a little bit. I definitely spent a lot of money on cabs back and forth. I'll tell you that. Yeah, lu- luckily cabs in Barcelona are like half price or less than the really? United States. Oh my god! Pretty much, pretty much was, everything in Spain expensive. falls under that. I knew you know Hayden. You know how I knew I was. I thought, back I thought in America? Barcelona was expensive. I thought Barcelona was expensive. I need to move to Australia then. You know how I knew that I was back in America. I was at an. I was at the airport. I went to go get food. It was like a place where they make you a bowl. So they have like a chicken bowl, like on the menu and you order that. And then as I go to check out, the tip is asked for on the digital checkout before. Before the food is made, anything. I was like, I'm back in America. Welcome back. You just take the 15 to 30% clip on everything for um, effectively no good reason sometimes on like these to-go places. But yeah, I digress. So I would, I think we can, uh, I I mean, we're going to talk about worlds, right? And um, we've got a few things to chat about as well, including sort of some updates on the go for position. We heard a lot at the banquet on Thursday night about heavy hitters as well. Um, and I guess the other thing as well is like living legend impacts look pretty minor off the back of walls because, because fire one, but that sets up an interesting dynamic for, um, as we head forward into 2024, we'll talk about all the announcements and things that happened in a second. Uh, I do want to talk, I will talk about 
the event from my perspective as a player, Brennan, you did ask me at the top of the show. And then I think we'll also go into the actual event. I want to hear from you. You know, you were on the floor all weekend. Um, you were, you know, around the players. You were in the booth, obviously. You were kind of following the storylines, et cetera, uh, following into that top eight, some, you know, some names in that top eight, some stories in that top eight as well. Uh, so we'll kind of, maybe we'll go through that sequentially. So maybe I can kind of start with what you'd asked me about, which is from my perspective as a player, the event. Uh, Brendan, I can give a quick, quick recap. So I didn't make day two at Worlds. Uh, on the last pod, I'd said that I had something a little bit spicy to play. A little bit spicy, Brendan. That spice being referred to was Max, Max Nitro, uh, Max the Hype Nitro. I did not end up playing that deck. I ended up defaulting uh, about about 9 p.m., about sort of at the end of the banquet. I was at the banquet. I was set, really second guessing. The testing hadn't gone well that day from my perspective in terms of Max and what I wanted to do with Max. Um, other people who were playing Max in our group, so uh, notably Nick Butcher, um, Tarek Patel, who was also thinking about playing Max as well, they were jumping off. And I talked to Tarek. So Nick had already decided, like, I'm, I'm going to play Dromai. I'm defaulting. He was uh, talking to Aaron Shantz, uh, who ended up top eighting the event. Aaron has done a lot of work on Dromai. He's like a, a Dromai. He's the Dromai go-to guy, I think, honestly, at this point. And I think he showed that this weekend. Uh, he's an amazing Dromai player and, and Dromai deck builder. And he, he kind of um, was talking to Nick and had a list that Nick thought was really good and so Nick went back to, to Dromai and then Tarek I talked to Tarek at the banquet I was like what are you going to do he's like I'm locking in Dash I'm, I'm off Max uh, Matt Rogers was also on Max and ended up staying on Max and playing Max I ended up jumping off as well Aaron Chance was very kind to give me his his list, uh, which I did not not expect him to. He's very very kind, a, an absolute gentleman is Aaron Chance. Uh, so I also jumped back onto Dromai, uh, but I did did not day two. Ran into the event, lost round one to a five, managed to pick up a win in round two, and then lose two more in or one one in CC. So finished two two in CC, heading into draft. I thought I actually drafted a really good dash deck to be honest. I thought I positioned myself really well in the draft, um, Brendan, but ended up like one twoing my draft with what I thought was like a two one, maybe even three zero deck. So. Yeah, I, I just think the preparation honestly kind of wasn't wasn't there for me. And I, I even looking at my, my draft deck, like I thought it looked pretty good, but um I kind of talked to a, a few other players and like, yeah, like deck looks pretty good, but I think, you know, how how are you feeling about your sideboarding? And I think I maybe misevaluated some of the things in this format with my limited amount of drafts. So ended up three, four missing missing day two. Yeah, draft is particularly interesting. Uh I think now looking Very back at the format, we have a few more weeks uh left, I guess. Um I would say I'd walk back some of the opinions on the floor <laughs> on of Tekla. I mean, honestly, not too much. I wasn't one of the people screaming from the rooftop that you should be the eighth, the eighth Tekla or anything like that. I had pretty reasonable no, opinions. No. But I do think that playing Dash and playing Max was a little bit better than I expected. The most interesting statistic I saw across the weekend is that people from day one to day two overwhelmingly drafted the same hero <laughs> so the yeah. the undefeated pod on day one and then into day two or the top pod uh in day two seven of eight of those players drafted the exact same hero they played the day before the only person that didn't was shing sang and that's because he opened the most broken tecla deck i've ever seen because i was recording his draft but it was i watched UK what did he open? UK, um he just opened like he had uh evo sentry base past like second yeah, third yeah. pick like it was absolutely insane um and then his deck was crazy Oh, uh, no, the, just the sentry bases were being passed like two, three, oh, gotcha. and then, yeah, you just had some crazy cards. But mm -hmm. I watched uh, Yuki Lee Bender draft overload script pack one, pick one on day one as well, yeah, which is a good card, but I think pack one, pick one, that you're definitely telegraphing an affinity for a specific hero. And she, like, I don't know if you've watched her matches on stream. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. Yuki was uh, very, very prepared to play Dash IO and expertly piloted that deck um and if you're interested how you should pilot a deck how you should win games how you how you 
should do anything regarding Dash IO in terms of draft, you should go watch those game backs, those games backs, because she wins them almost determinate, almost determinate deterministically like every single time with end game win conditions and it's really really cool to watch same thing happens in day two as well with the red backup yep. protocol and the uh whatever the one that gets overpowered so yeah what a master class it was just it, but it does look like people were committed to to forcing max or dash or teclo and they stuck in those lanes and it worked out well for them i don't know if force is the correct word but the like you should have seen page one and page two of the players and this was like yeah, yeah. one through one through almost like a hundred overwhelmingly drafted the same hero on day two as they did in yeah. day one i and i think that's the format that like because of the way that you know the card like there is some homogenous there is a homogenous nature to some of the cards like i'm not going to say all but they are mick cards right so i think there is this ability to kind of draft a skeleton of the same deck that you um have experience with and to pick up, you know, you have a, a range of cards that you know you want to pick up. Um, and you start to realize cards that are maybe a little bit undervalued for the way that you like to draft. Or particularly, you start to, like, move into those cards a little bit more, I think, through testing. And I was talking to um, uh, Mike Ronkia, who uh, day two, and he had been in some draft pods back in Canada with Aaron Chance. And I was, like, saying, you know, I think there is a, 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 an edge to this draft format for sure. And he was saying, you know, he, he agreed. And he was saying, you know, like, Aaron in there sort of, like, testing pods in, in Canada and Toronto with people like Tarek Patel, et cetera, um, Isaac Crew, like really good players uh, that Chance was con- like continuously like hitting three O's with, with different decks and, and different strategies. Um, but ultimately, you know, like really refined like his kind of dash uh, database strategy that he liked to draft. And I think similar thing, right? Kind of, I think he went d- dash dash uh, both days. So, um, you know, those people who had affinity for Max, they understood that people wanted to draft Teclo and there's people who like really honed in on Teclo and, and admittedly forced Teclo and, and did really well, right? Or at least like very open to it um and got rewarded for understanding the in-depth sort of ins and outs do you do you want to talk i mean where do you want to do you want to talk about maybe the portions of the event and then kind of we can go constructed draft we can go back to constructed and talk about the lead into the top eight and then talk a little bit about the meta and, and the, the top eight overall yeah i definitely want to hit after that um the how the tournament was outside of the world championship or even during 100%. in regards to tournament center because i think that's relevant um yeah we can talk about that it, it was like a show. huge like <laughs> it was like a huge <laughs> shit show on that side um i because yeah. like there was actually tons of panels and stuff like all ready to go this is like the back end that i guess is not super public but it like all got canceled <laughs> um as well anyway well they had like uh, no mics or anything right so like yeah uh, exactly yeah. they also i mean to be honest, I kind of feel like Tournament Center totally fucked me right at the end as well. After I did all of the work this weekend, um, because it wasn't explicitly in their contract, I get an email from Tournament Center. They're like, hey, use this Google form to get paid. I go in there. It's like, you had to get all of your information. By the way, we only pay via PayPal and we only pay via euros in PayPal. So if it's a business, if your PayPal is a business, which mine is, unfortunately, your fees will automatically be deducted and what fees, Hayden? <laughs> well, we'll find out. And it'll be auto-converted unless you switch to Euro, which I wasn't able to. So I kind of, I'm a bit salty about that because they even wrote in the thing, they're like, we know how inconvenient and unpleasant this is or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's not our choice and we can't do anything about it. So really nice to get that after doing all the work. And I know for people who don't live in the United States, PayPal is maybe a usable platform. The United States, it's not. But the reason why it's not is because when they rolled out these, the stimmy checks during COVID, they reduced the amount of money you need to pay tax on from $20,000 to $600. And now you get auto tax or auto 1099 on anything over 600. And it's just ridiculous because if you're not a 
LLC or like some sort of company or you don't have an accountant. It doesn't mm. account for any expenses. It just rips it off the top and it's really annoying um, outside this. Like, so it's frustrating to me that that happened, to be honest. And it, it just put a really bad taste in my mouth. Outside of that, you know, some of the events were run really rough and then all the panels got canceled basically. So, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, just talk about now. Let's talk about now. Like, being at the event of the weekend, um, I also played the calling. I would say like the, the major events ran two time and they were pretty good. The calling was like a little bit slow. Um, I <laughs> I also went one three drop in the calling, so shout out. Uh, I opened I opened my pool. I sat there. I looked at it and thought this is one of the worst bright lights pools I've ever opened. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I played Teclo. Um, I had a couple of Evos, but I had like no good power cards. I showed Brendan my deck. It was absolutely trash. He saw me playing my last game to go one three to just drop the event. Um, so it's what it is. Whatever. I wasn't <laughs> upset. I mean, you can't do anything when you open a pool like that. Honestly, I played three Teclo mirrors uh, against three much better decks, and and those are my three losses. Um, but and then I played some side events, and yeah, like some of the side events were were slow. Um, and I'd heard that the on demand events in particular, and some of like the the non Sagrada events, so the ones that they weren't putting a lot of judge effort into, that had these big player pools. Because the story of the weekend was like this beautiful sigil promo that I'm sure a lot of people have seen. But if you haven't seen it, you can go check it out on um, the world's sort of coverage it's this beautiful uh sigil the art is uh, la sagrada familia it is amazing and people want to get their hands on these right because there's exclusive worlds promo so they were running uh one to two events every day i think or maybe maybe one event every day um and the one on saturday was a constructed event that had 760 players the one on sunday mm-hmm. was a sealed event that had 964 players or something 960 players the calling had 560 players my, yeah, that, I, that's I, because of the the way they do, they distributed the promos and unfortunately, no promos yeah unfortunately i have insider information on the strategy behind that which i completely disagree with i think that those those promos should absolutely go into the calling but i'm not going to speak on it because i heard it via a conversation yeah, yeah, that, that's fine yeah but um yeah the side events the on-demand events um apparently they were terrible <laughs> especially day one yeah they were not they good were some of them some of them like like they, there was a blitz event on saturday or friday maybe sorry that they just like canceled after round one because they couldn't fire the second round or something or they like were running so it taking like three hours to get two rounds in, and they just canceled it and just gave people um gave people like vouchers and stuff dylan yeah. was saying who was who was saying with he's just like yeah my my big takeaway and not to start it off like too grim is that uh, honestly i would never work for tournaments ever ever again but i also think that there is a very low chance they ever get the contract again after some of the things they screwed up this weekend um yeah anyway there's one other thing i want to talk about the venue is good by the way i did i did like the venue oh the merch you want to talk merch there's a lot of things i want to talk about but yeah yeah. because there was there was a merch a merch uh, table exclusive world championship merchandise that you could buy uh if you sold a kidney uh so go ahead talk about it yeah, so they had the merch, they had the World Championship t-shirt, they had the jacket, um, which is cool. I'm happy they did that. It looks great. One thing I'll say is that um, I just want to talk to LSS as I came at right now is that um, you don't, you, you probably shouldn't be juicing the players on the, the merch that advertises your game that is like special to the event. Um, so for instance, that jacket was 90 euros. It's $112. The, sh- the t-shirt. That's not a jacket, a, dude. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a exactly. jump zip through it. <laughs> t-shirt was 40 euros. That's, um, it's, that's nowhere near cost of goods sold. So like, I, I understand making a profit and, you know, merch being profitable for the company, but 
You don't need to do that. That's actually pretty shameful, to be honest, because that was prohibitively expensive. And there's players that act, that aren't going to be able to get that because it was so ridiculous. Um, I know it's sold out. I know that they made money from it. And I know that they're going to be happy about that, but you don't need to do that. <laughs> like that's we. There's so many other things we're happy to pay for, like in terms of like getting into events, you know, flying out to your events, doing all this stuff. But you don't need to juice the players on the uh, the world's exclusive merch. It just puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I opted obviously not to when I saw the price. I thought about buying a t-shirt, but I saw 40 euros, which is equivalent of 80 Australian dollars. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a no for me. I also, I, I, I looked at one and I, yeah, I was like, no, I'm not paying any dollars yeah. for that. But, all, I, all I can say yeah, is uh, it's cool I that ring it was the bell and say shame. <laughs> shame. <laughs> it's cool that it was available. I, a great idea. Execution maybe left a little bit to be desired. But look, over the weekend, I mean, the the, the like I say, the sigil, you know, like these sigil events brought so many people and it was so exciting. I, you know, I wish that they had done that for the calling. Had they done that for the calling? Well, they probably would have had a 900 player calling, which would have been one of the yep. biggest callings in history, if not the biggest. So uh, might have just topped Jersey. So um, yeah, but I mean, uh, otherwise, I think... You know, the, there was a lot of things happening around the venue. Obviously, on Thursday, we had the, the players' banquet. Um, to, there was great food and drink available. I know people, if you went to play, you had to, to pay again. But the, the venue itself actually was, it was huge. It was a, a quite a yeah. cool venue as well. Like, I don't know what the heck it was. Like, I guess it's like a, a convention center, I guess. But it's like it's got a very interesting vibe. It's kind of very brutalist, which I guess kind of ties in with some of uh, Barcelona's um That's really funny you say that because it's nowhere near as brutalist as Bar- uh, as uh, Baltimore. Baltimore actually had like very interesting architecture in terms okay, of like sure. how the ceiling. Um, I will say that, that the venue was like totally fine. Like it was I, it was good. I don't, it's, it wasn't yeah, bad it was in good. any way. You're not going to walk away from it like you did San Jose. Um, and it was like, it was uh, the, the temperature was nice. The amenities were temperature was fine. Good um they had like yes I mean, once i found out there was more toilets i thought there was like only one lot of toilets at the start there was there was multiple it was fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of those toilets the lights weren't working in them so you had to like turn on your phone light to take a dump what? um yeah yeah it was like pretty common um <laughs> why are you i wouldn't do that at a at a convention center anyway I, I mean, i'd rather taxi back to my hotel dude <laughs> nah 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 um or but get yeah in the, early. The f- get in early <laughs> The food thing they had there was great to be honest um and i'm really happy with it it was pricey but it was good that they had it it was good that they had it I thought it was cheap, to be honest, compared to like how normal convention centers are. Seven euros for a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I guess, I guess. The convention center food's expensive, right? So yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. I heard the coffee was great. Yeah, it was, it was it, honestly, like that, the but... coffee was great. Coffee in, really? in Spain in general is great. Yeah, I mean, it's, dude, it's great. You know, like, I don't know. I It's because of the, the juxtaposition, right? I come from, like in the US, like... I don't know. I feel like anytime you get someone to make a co- dog in the in the US, that's true. No, anytime you get someone to make a coffee for you, it's fucking ten dollars. Like it's ridiculous. Like um, that's just okay. like it's. So I was happy that it was available and good to go. The amenities for me felt good. I feel good about the event. I feel good about the venue. Um, I think the it was thing. definitely an upgrade. I don't know if they did this in Baltimore, but I thought this was. Uh, I'm glad they finally did this, and I want this to do this at callings at at any tier three or above event. They had a viewing area for um top eight on sunday Amazing. yeah so they've had that at pt baltimore and now u.s nationals so it seems like yeah. standard okay they they need to continue to do that and they should do that at tier three event so for context so top eight was being played obviously in the feature matches which was right over the other side of the convention center uh the calling was going on over there there was also on the sunday the battle hard and living legion which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that i'm sure you got a few things to say about that brendan and then over the other side of the hall probably a good you know like i don't know 
600 meters away or something um they the 500 meters or whatever they had a viewing area in the corner with like seats set up and everything and they had this like lss stage at the back where they had planned to do some well they did do some meet and greets and stuff like that with uh the professor james white um kind of all weekend they also did the the final presentations uh the trophy presentations and crown the world champion on that uh, stage over the back so that was that was very cool to have that they also in between that they kind of had just to set the stage for people who, who went there the, the weekend they also had artists um uh, vendors all that in between and then they had like side event area and then they had like the main game area for all the big events like the calling battle hardened um <laughs> la sagrada familia the biggest event the the sealed event uh, all over the other side of the hall near the feature match area um which is very cool I didn't haven't caught back any of the coverage yet, so I don't know what the oh. kind of like. <laughs> I can tell. But you I had heard it. a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard so, the audio was not great, unfortunately. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'll, I'm. It was terrible, <laughs> to be honest. Like day uh, one, it was. It was. Uh, it was really bad day one. Uh, there was there was tons of different mic switches they did to try to fix it, but ultimately ended up in a way where it it did not sound good. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, to be honest, because audio is so critical to one of those things. And, you know, there can be hundreds of hours and the, you know, the other side of the production can be well done. But if you have that audio, it's just, it's rough. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a filter. Um, outside of that, I thought that the graphics and the B-roll and just like the cadence of the tournament was pretty good. Like there wasn't as much downtime. Didn't really get yep. to watch backup feature matches, which is a bummer. And then outside of that, the only thing I would cherry pick is that some of the graphics uh, were misaligned. <laughs> so the like overlay, I, yeah, them- over- I did see that. I did see the overlay was a bit unaligned. Yeah, so that was uh, a bit frustrating. But outside of that, like in terms of like uh, displaying players, so like when the top of they had player profiles, like the interviews, yeah, that's cool, um, stuff like that. I thought they did a pretty good job in the the B roll graphics, so you could see like the standings, what people drafted. That stuff was super solid. Like huge upgrade. Yeah. They should do that every single time. Um, but yeah, in terms of the production, like and and on my side, like everything ran ran smoothly, but the audio was. Uh, screwed unfortunately Mm, um there's just not much that can be done about that at this point so just gotta you know take that as a lesson learned and fix it for next time i'd love to hear in the comments if you were at the event this weekend uh or if you're watching coverage if you're watching coverage you know let us know your thoughts on on that you know i I haven't seen enough back yet um but like brennan said do you like the things that brennan said what what do you want to what would you like what would we change i mean i would i always want to see more stuff about players that's what i always want to see um in between in between things there if you're at the event you know what did you think were you in any of these side events that were affected um would would love to hear from you guys as well or what did you just think of the the weekend overall um obviously we've given given our thoughts um let's jump in so thursday banquet Mm -hmm. Did you didn't you didn't you didn't come to the banquet? You weren't feeling very well. I was very ill the whole weekend, and it started on Thursday. So just, I mean, I guess I can just talk about it real quick, real real quick. So basically, like, I have an autoimmune issue that I'm on medication for, and I had my like I had the first flare that I had in like a year, and it makes it so like a part like near my hip, I get very swollen, and it's like my whole body gets super inflamed, so I get like. Uh, fevers like crazy bad headaches like feels like i was drinking hard like basically um and it's just rough like i get super so i had that like it started on thursday and usually last four to five days i had the whole weekend so honestly the weekend for me was definitely a freaking battle to get through but uh yeah that's why i wasn't i wasn't at that's why i wasn't at the the players banquet and i might have been a bit lethargic some people have come up to me yeah i tell you what on that i mean i just want to shout out everyone who came and said hello to us uh i think overwhelmingly i had some of the 
the most amount of people I've ever had come up and, and thank me for our content, Brendan. And honestly, it means so much. I think every, almost every opponent I played every round said something or said thank you for the content that we produce. And it actually, you know, despite having a pretty shit weekend from a, a game standpoint, um, it meant a lot, especially when these people beat my ass and then they're like, thank you for your content. I was like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> no worries. But no, honestly, it, it it does mean a lot. And it was it was really nice to meet some people. I met so many people. I saw people I hadn't seen um, since, you know, PT1, for instance, or um, Orlando even like two years ago. So really cool to see people, um, you know, made some, made some new friends, uh, met some new people, played some great games played some not so great games but hey you know it's all right we we bounced back from those and um yeah just want to shout out everyone who who did say kind words uh to either myself or to brendan in regards to every time we kind of we, we only saw each other very few times this weekend it always happens this way like we don't really get to see each other that much but every time we kind of were chatting you'd come over maybe from after a feature or something we'd, we'd, we were catching up whatever we definitely every time had a few people come up and and um just say some really kind words so appreciate it yeah and um if you ever see at those us at those events, I do encourage you to come up if you want to, because it's like probably the most positive experiences that we have from these events are um, in the in between when that stuff happens. So talking to you all, so I encourage you if you feel hesitant or you think we look busy, just come up, <laughs> just come up because we're, we're never that never busy. busy. Yeah, <laughs> we're just um, talking shit. Probably I do. I so do you- want to add some comedy though for people listening. My one of the funniest things about being. A content creator and this is not i'm not, not about to go down some arrogant line uh <laughs> is when you do bad at a major tournament a lot of people will come up and you know they'll be in passing they'll say how you doing and How's I it going? Is, yeah. dude, when i ha- when i got to stand there hayden and i i because i've been there and then <laughs> my, I first watch time. my first time brother. Co- consistently you have to tell them that you're freaking one three and then they all they always stop and they're like oh man what happened and you're like oh fuck <laughs> like dang. fuck <laughs> that is uh it's definitely a it's an apt punishment for doing bad in a no, tournament no. i'll tell you that you get constantly reminded can't fly under the radar no i know how you <laughs> feel now <laughs> yeah 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 and then when uh, you get the to that draft table and somebody's like what the hell are you doing down here You're oh like, yeah Thanks. literally Thanks, literally yeah. but thankfully thankfully matt rogers was on the, the pod <laughs> one below me and i just pointed and said well he's down here so and he's he's top eight at night calling so i don't know man <laughs> Oh, uh now nah, honestly it was um that's funny so thursday banquet the bigger news was the uh pro circuit for next year so announced okay this is a really i will give a big round of applause to alice's for this announcing where the pro tour is going to be for next year ahead of time and giving us dates so we know we've got la we already knew about la but we now know about amsterdam happening in was that july is yep, amsterdam july um very exciting awesome to see so we know already first half of the year a multitude of callings announced uh 1.5 million dollars in, in prizes uh for the pro circuit or the the tournament circuit so an increase on the 1 million from this year and last year so that is that is huge massive announcement just want to give a uh, a big shout out to, to alice's for that one i think they've nailed it with that one i think they've finally taken all the feedback they've worked to improve on the things that uh players especially players who you know quote unquote pro players whatever you want to say players in and around the pro sort of circuit uh have kept have continued to say which is we need uh you know advance notice on these things so we already know seven months in advance that is that is awesome we will be playing pro tour 2 amsterdam also very excited gonna definitely try and make it out to that one brendan i will 100 be in la though because that is a direct flight um heavy hitters as well 
we got some uh, Kasai. We're getting Kasai, Brendan. Uh, we're getting a six hero set. We we sort of saw the first uh, hints and and signposting of what heavy hitters is going to be all about. Um, or the second a lot of that, I guess, uh, which is also very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. Heavy hitters. Uh, I mean, we'll see because the meta is going to be heavy in flocks by the time heavy hitters comes out. I mean, we could have multiple decks, multi uh, living legend before then, so it changes the entire context of the set. But it seems like people are pretty pumped for it. Hey, now I want to talk about the class constructed meta um, of the mm -hmm. world championships because while it was what we expected, it was not what we expected. So <laughs> obviously, the top three most played decks were pretty predictable in the form of Jermai, Bravo, and Icelander. Um, yep. I. I didn't speak to a single person that expected Iceland to be the most played deck. So that was a surprise. Um, um, you missed out on Thursday. So that was, I was here on Thursday that it sounded like Iceland was going to be the most played deck. That that mm -hmm. shifted. We talked about in the pod, we talked about Iceland, the shift happening again. And I did talk about, you know, is Bravo the phantom deck that no one's really going to play it? People did play Bravo in the end. It did definitely drop off. People were talking about it being number one a week and a half a week, a week ago. It ended up being... Not number one, of course, ended up being number three. But yeah, the 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 story on Thursday was like, hey, yo, everyone's playing Icelander. All a lot of the teams have landed on Iceland. Yeah, and I think most people that <laughs> came on Bravo uh, were aptly punished for that as well. <laughs> I remember I was speaking oh, yeah. to Hamilton, and I was like, oh, you guys brought Bravo. That's like really interesting to me. And I was like, so you must feel very good about the Jermai matchup. He said, yes. I was like, did you expect Iceland to be the most played deck? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that matchup is atrocious for, for Bravo. Hamilton, and I mean, shows his pedigree, though. Like, I think on one of the... The weaker choices of the event, honestly, and I'm sure you're feeling vindicated about that, Brennan, based on that conversion rate. But, um, you know, just the pedigree that is Michael Hamilton managed to, I think he got 31st or something. So he like, he went X3 on day one, then went 6-1 on day two and snuck into the top 32 for that PTI and a good chunk of cash. So <laughs> shout out to Michael for that one. I thought he was dead and buried. I saw him on day three and I was like, oh, did you, did you play the calling? He's like, no, nah, dude, I, I made day two at 4-3 and like top 32. And I was like, of course you did. You're Michael Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> um and then, honestly, position four or five were particularly interesting as well. So I didn't think the ninjas really show up. They did. Uh, they could have been mm -hmm. a top three best played deck if you combine them, I believe. And then it was so it was five at forty three and the ninjas then caught. Yeah, forty five and, and twenty one. Yeah, sixty sixty six in total. Yeah, yeah number so, three. Ninja was number three. Yeah, so Fi and Katsu really showed up. Um, and then obviously that converts the event because I think we had two Fives in top eight with one Katsu. So really interesting to see that. Um, people definitely showed up on Reinar as well. We almost had a Reinar top eight, I believe. So yeah, it was uh, the meta is what I expected, but the way it broke down and this, the position everything landed in, in terms of like one, two, three, four, five, six was uh, definitely different than I expected. So I think there was a lot of the meta. It's really interesting because in most uh, tier... Uh, tier four event metas it's always been very very layer one i feel like this one is a layer one meta in terms of its icelander bravo jermai but the way that it all uh ended up being in the end in terms of like icelander being the most played deck then the ninjas really sh really showing up i feel like that was a bit layer two it's like kind of a more uh mm -hmm. it's a more complex meta i think than we've seen before so i was particularly interested on that to be honest I'm not sure. I yeah, I can see I can see that approach, and I, but I think we talked about this last week. I just think that Iceland is powerful, and people landed on like it's the deck that has the like a really low amount of variance, and most top decks in this meta, or most most decks in this meta, don't have that. Like, let's look from 
positions six through one. You got Azalea at number six at 42 played, uh, which has a lot of variance, can just lose to itself. Fire has a, a pretty reasonable amount of variance, although it does do powerful hands. I think that's why a lot of people landed on Fire as well. But then Dash has variance in it. Bravo has variance in it. Jerome has a lot of variance in it. So I just think that people are looking at these top decks, and I think those were the decks to play those top six. I think we kind of, I think we mostly, we less Dash IO than we thought, but I did talk last week about dash being a dash og being a good pick um yeah. and i think the top six was about kind of what you expect so um i just think it comes down to iceland just being powerful and being good uh and a really a really easy pick for top players to land on or for, for yeah. any any player that wants to play a skill game i think og dash did surprise me as well um uh with how much it showed up and then it, it was converting pretty well uh, it put two into I the wish I, sticked on, I wish I stuck with it. I wish <laughs> I stuck with my original pick of Dash. That's where I was a month ago. That's what I played up until about two weeks ago when I pivoted to Max. So mm-hmm. regrets. Yeah. Shout so, out I to mean, the. Um, oh, sorry. I just want to quickly shout out to the one Riptide, the one Tickle Loss, and the one Vincent and the one Viserai. Uh, I actually spoke to the one Viserai. Shout out to those uh, those players, <laughs> brave souls. Well, the Tech of Austin was actually a three zero at one point. He was on stream. Yeah. So <laughs> no. it's, a, it's a Tech of Austin fatigue deck. <laughs> Uh, that aims to play singularity so actually a pretty interesting deck list something to look out for uh, uh, it, like another thing to look out for is chris ayali i think he made he got 16th or 17th i believe on max nitro combo mm-hmm. so that deck is definitely real as well especially as we 100%. see things rotate out um so yeah just i would keep an eye on that tech Austin deck and this new then this new max nitro list is running around and if bravo ultimately leaves the format or just becomes less represented, which I don't see that happening when Icelander LL, to be honest, I think it's going to become more popular. Um, I think that Dash IO is a great pick. Yeah. Um, I talk quickly about Max because, like I said kind of earlier, that was the deck that uh, a lot of us pivoted off of the day before. The reason, the first reason coming to Max was just, yeah, it is really powerful. Like the Nitro Mechanoid sort of combo aspect of the deck, basically exactly what we were we were looking to do with the deck. Um, it's what Nick and, and, and Matt had come up with um, and they had shared. And I, I, I think, yeah, just, just really powerful. We saw it obviously top eight in Melbourne in the hands of Joel Gibbons. Um, it has particularly a good matchup into Icelander and Bravo. Um, although some Bravos actually ended up running buckle which is hilarious i don't know if like they knew that or expecting max but yeah the matchup into icelander and bravo particularly is, is pretty good um the problem really and that the reason that a lot of us jumped off of it was like the dromai matchup just did not feel good uh especially if you think that the dromai has done any amount of testing like has played any games against max so max really does well with the surprise factor because understanding how much damage that the nitro mechanoid can actually pump out so if you leak any damage early like the nitro mechanoid once you like combo if they're like 36 or less like you just kill them so they really need to understand maybe 32 or less they really need to understand like what that deck's trying to do and how to not leak damage and how it's so easy to set up nitro mechanoid like people like oh you need to play hyper drivers or you need to play blessings and all stuff no no no. you just use the hero ability and, and like recharge and it's just so insane you can reliably set it up so early as long as you draw it so um like turn three is pretty easy all the time as long as you see the the, the nitro mech um but the ninjas and and dromai and even dash og in particular were like were like tough so and and we expected those to rise which they did uh and ultimately the reason that that all of us but but matt rogers jumped off and honestly matt felt pretty good on the deck and he is a mech player matt got some of the most unlucky matchups i've ever heard of he got paired into azuri which is terrible for max and then he got paired into fatigue dash which is also not good for max on day one so uh he had, he had some rough games there to be honest but 
but mm. it is a real deck and I, if people are looking for something fun i can definitely recommend max nitro um yeah it's it's definitely worth looking at it's, it's a very cool deck i just want to talk about my testing uh experience as well as uh, as well as the teams or the group i was playing with uh performance i felt this testing period prior to the world championships was one of my favorite so far i felt like it was really honed in um we had good conclusions we ended up on good decks and people were very prepared solid game plan solid amount of reps that being said (laughs) didn't ultimately convert uh convert and i remember tom dowling said something on the day uh to you but i overheard it he said that tournaments uh like tournaments by design create losers instead of winners like they're basically the many many people must lose in order for very few to win um and sometimes that's just how it goes so mm-hmm. while the people that i tested with which is peter budensek majin bay uh alexander vor sasha markovic um and a bit of ethnic smoke as well they didn't really convert on the day uh, i think ultimately the process was super solid and uh, i was very happy with it to be honest yeah, it was, look it was a tough day for for big names and and players out there um you know like i think i look at the 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 team pcg pass and the players that were there and i yuha and um nick were the only ones that that day two i think uh maybe Tarek day two as well actually um mm, but did. i think he fell pretty quickly but um you know yuha and and nick the sort of nick was at six one and and had the kind of best chance but the rest of us really really struggled myself and matt did not make day two for the second event in a row we both also did not day two in melbourne it's been a rough a rough uh, couple of months but yeah and I, I mean i looked at other teams as well you know um notoriously the wolf pack you know but there were some teams that really converted and actually one group in particular brennan that i want to plug that i yeah, shouted out last week pitch, right? yeah do you remember me i did sh- i shouted them out last week <laughs> That's a pretty safe bet, I think. It's definitely going to be a safe bet moving forward, but yeah. Well, that's because they're so good, but people people weren't paying them respect. Yeah. All I think some people cash. just didn't. I think some people just didn't know about them. To be honest, like to, to be fair, I think that some people just didn't know about them. Because if you're not watching these, uh, those, I guess, I mean, some of them have had performances before, but uh, that, so Dude, uh, I think I think we, that's we fair. About last week. Yeah, I think it's fair. They were they're definitely they were definitely very underrated going into very underrated. I mean, yeah. two of them top 16 world last year as well. Alan yeah. Lau and, and Shing Sang, who made the finals this year, also top 16 last year. Uh, you know, both of them put up nationals sort of results in the past couple of years. Alan top aided in, in Taipei as well. Um, yeah, like these players are very, very good putting also in top eight along with with um, with Shing. So put, putting, I love putting, putting his gas. Putting, Bro, I was his, playing. Uh, his, in his play, the, can I just say, his player card, they were doing like little player profiles. And one of the questions, what's your favorite food? And I was like, no, but shit, like, what's your favorite color? And he's like, he's like, what's your favorite food? He's like, it's not pudding, lol. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, do you want to talk anything about more about Saturday or we should, should we should move on? So our seven O's at the end of Saturday uh, were Yuki Lee Bender, Shing Sang, and was there someone else? It was three seven O's or just two seven O's? Four seven O's actually. There's four? Yeah. Oh, Who asked for the seven O's? I don't know. That's your job, isn't it? Well, not to remember the... Well, how is that my job? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that was my job on Sunday. <laughs> remember the seven O's. I was trying to find the... Um, the i'm looking at the blog but they don't have like the the undefeated players from from day one on the blog so i'm like rolling back to see if i can find anything from um from earlier but 
Yeah, I don't remember, to be honest, because there was like Shing Sang and Yuki Lee Bender were players that we were following already. Like we followed Yuki's draft. So it was very easy yeah. to know and internalize that she was 7 0 at the end of that. And then Shing Sang was obviously in that pod. And uh, wait, so Shing Sang was not in that pod then, not in the day one pod. Interesting. Must have been in pod two. But yeah, yeah was, there was two, four, yeah. four undefeated players, I believe. From the four one. winners of of the top four pods, yeah, because the top four pods are all four are hitting in, which which makes sense, obviously, right? Yeah, and I yeah, so I don't I don't remember who the two others were, but I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I yeah, I, I was trying to look it, but I can't find out. Uh, Sunday, go back into draft. Um, oh, I found it. So it was Alex Lowe, also of Hong Kong. I don't know mm-hmm. Alex, um, and then Philip Van um, Donsele mm-hmm. from Netherlands, yeah. who I believe lost two winnings on Saturday to yep. to miss top eight, including I believe might have uh, Aaron. I think Aaron beat him for one of the winning rounds. Yep. Um, Aaron Shan six last round. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was. So uh, those are your four seven O's heading into day two. Another draft, and I think at the end of uh, Yuki three O, the second draft as well, stand ten O. Um, and then I think Shing took down Yuki after that, and then uh, Iceland and Mirror. I believe Yuki went eleven zero and then lost, like after okay, being and then locked. lost, and then lost to Shing, who lost to Yuki, I think, in limited, but then won in constructed potentially. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to keep track for me because I'm very much in the like the feature match and like trying to you know. F- obviously casting those rounds but also picking those rounds and like trying to get the i mean the way produ- the way casting works or like production works is that uh they're they're definitely less interested in featuring uh, especially on day one the undefeated players are more interested in featuring like a diverse meta Dicks. right so yeah that's why like my understanding of the tournament is different than if you were a player sitting at those tables looking at the same players at the end of you know uh you know the top tables so i get a de- i get a different view yeah. for sure yeah uh, and then at the end of it all, very sort of interesting into the day. Yuki was locked pretty early for top eight, so was uh, so was Shing, and um, and then I think Aaron might have been the the next one locked in. I think they were the top the top three. Um, oh, sorry, uh, Easton Douglas on dash I think was was locked pretty early as well. Those the top four were locked pretty pretty early on. So at the end of the day, the top eight was as you said, it was uh, it was two dash, two Icelander. Um, to Fai, Akatsu, and Adromai. Um The top, and in the order, it was Yuki, Eastern Douglas on Dash, uh, Yuki on Icelander, Shingsing on Icelander as well, Aaron on um, Dromai, Matt W on Dash as well, a more aggressive, and Eastern was on the more like fatigue yep. control kind of plan, and then putting Tam on Katsu, uh, and then two players was uh, Daniela uh, Fatarali on by and um also alex oh you're, you're right his, his last name is difficult to pronounce are you is it <laughs> from greece on uh, on fire as well which i i mean I, I i can share what i heard um which is that alex snuck in after uh, a final round kind of match loss for another player uh unfortunately which alex so alex's story is kind of insane honestly is that he probably wouldn't even have been in top eight if it wasn't for something that happened completely out of his control at a table uh, far away from him. <laughs> kind um, of insane. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I obviously can't contribute to that because that definitely wasn't a part of the narrative that was put on stream. So uh, yeah, you can listen to Hayden's rumor and I have no comment. <laughs> I yeah, it was talked about. It was talked about already in Hall on Sunday, to be oh, honest. Oh, for sure. So, you have uh, no idea yeah. how many people came up to me and were like, did you, uh, do you by chance know about the rumor? And then they told me exactly what happened in perfect detail, complete, like with all the facts. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. The, the sources were pretty reliable for. Uh, yeah, look, I'll, leave, I'll leave you out of it. And I, you know, just for clarity, this is nothing that, that Brendan said to me. This is stuff that uh, I'd heard from uh, people on Sunday when I when I arrived at the, sorry, on Saturday uh, after the event had finished. Is that, yeah, effectively there was, there was a, a, I believe, a, a DQ and a match loss, which resulted in a player um, not making top eight when, you know, they had that, they had a win in and Alex potentially would not have been in, in top eight. Uh, I don't know who the player was, don't, don't really share anyway either, um, or the, the circumstances of it. Um, it sounded like it was not, you know, not an intentional thing that maybe a misunderstanding of some rules. So, um, you know, these things happen in, in big events and, um, it's really important you know these are these are serious events professional level events and it's really important that people kind of play to the rules and, and make sure that they understand what is uh required and what is available to be done and what is legal uh, in these in these events in terms of by the rules um and unfortunately you know that's that's not what happened in a particular match so yeah i mean alex's story honestly insane uh a few other kind of like stories i wanted to hit on in, in top eight i mean we talked about shing sang already but top 16 last year in worlds you know narrowly missing out on a, a top eight in worlds there last year converts uh kind of insane honestly he's so so good it's just it's just nuts uh yuki who's just put up so many results at this point you know another amazing story um she's just been you know, absolutely killing it since winning Canadian Nationals two years ago and just continued to put up, you know, won a calling recently as well. Won a calling at calling Baltimore, right? Was won by Yuki, I think. No, the calling Baltimore is won by Merrick Kemp, right? On Dash. Did Yuki top eight that that calling? I feel like Yuki won a calling this year. Am I wrong? Uh I don't know. <laughs> it's po it's possible. Uh I just I, I don't feel I like think, I don't know off the top yeah, of my head. Uh, at, at US Nationals. The Vegas calling. Yuki won the the. I wasn't there, so I just remember um, hearing hearing about that. Uh, Aaron, who has just been like honestly at the forefront of innovation for Dramai, um, and yeah, I mean Easton. I see Easton's name a lot as well. I think top eight of US Nats, uh, if not this year than last year. So you know, just um, I, I'm not super familiar with with Matt W or um, Danielle, but you know, also I mean, amazing stories. Just getting to top eight is kind of insane, but. You know, converting and getting that hundred grand cash plus that player card that's worth quite a lot of money, like that's life changing money for Alex. So that's just insane. So congrats to congrats to Alex. Yeah, he was. Uh, it was interesting talking to him after. He was definitely digesting the situation. <laughs> I can't just, imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine either. I mean, you just you just win that match and you're like, uh, you know, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty grand richer. It's just crazy. So, I mean, that that's what's cool about these tournaments. So, I'm sure some some players don't like the split between first and second because uh, it's quite large. But I mean, winning first is pretty crazy at this tournament. I mean, you walk away with a different life situation than you came into that match with, which is, I think that that's what the Pro Tour and World Championship should be like. Like, I I understand from a, like a logistics standpoint, a risk like a risk aversion standpoint that the the, mm -hmm. the the differential between first and second can be a bit rough for the person that loses, but it's really cool to see the person who wins like they really win, and I think that's that's yeah. like a that's really cool.
Yeah, I don't know if the the, the players in the finals they discussed did a potential, they did potential not. split or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once you get to that point, right, it's really clean cut. Like you can you can offer splits once you're in a final. Like there's the last two players in the event they could agree to split if they want to. But no, they kept it. They kept it OG. You know, just played played it out for the difference of seventy five thousand plus that pro player. You know, effectively probably a difference of around a hundred thousand US dollars. Like you know that that card is. I don't know if those cards have sold. I believe the first, the Pablo's chain sold. I don't know about the the other two, the Ultim and the um, Briar. the Briar and the Icelander. Unsure, but those three. Sorry, but yeah, super insane. Uh, just quickly touching on the meta in day two. I mean, I don't have the. I was just looking at. I mean, I had the breakdown, but I don't have the conversion rates. But Icelander, you know, obviously, like the top three still looked the same. The um, in fact, the top five that actually azalea had a really good conversion today too the best, uh, i right? think one of the i think it was the best conversion yeah yeah but ultimately didn't put any players into top eight but i know there was there was some floating in around the, the the top 32 so i just thought it was quite interesting uh reina had a pretty good conversion rate um katsu even dash io had a good conversion rate as well max nitro definitely had a good conversion rate <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah very very cool to see anything else you want to touch on in terms of just uh, the, the main event not the main event. I'm ready to hit the uh, the living legend. Do you want to talk calling quickly? I would. I would like to just give a go for know, it. Yeah, I mean, call, the... calling was sealed for people that haven't. I don't know if we have mentioned it explicitly yet, but um, sealed into draft. What? Uh, yeah, I was. What do you... Go ahead. Well, I was really hoping to get through that that sealed. I really wanted to draft more bright lights, but you know, as I said, one three drop. But yeah, day one, as you say, sealed into into draft. Um, and the the top eight at it all. I was just looking to find the top eight from that event, um, which I for some reason can't find. Do you know who the top? Eight? Oh, I found it here. Okay, so um, it was run by uh, Florian Christian Lahorn, who uh, was top eighter from Pro Tour number one. I'm not sure if you remember that, Brendan, on mm-hmm. on Starvo um i actually sat next to him in round one and i don't know he just had this look in his eyes just i saw him i turned saw him playing his first round i was like oh man i forgot he's really good at this game and uh yeah he just kind of crushed it finished first seed then went on to to win the whole event so kind of insane i think maybe he dropped like one game maybe two games total um in the event some of the other players in there valentine mackle another so i i think Valentine Mackle and um, Florian Christian, I think they might be from the same country. I'm not actually sure of that. I don't have the countries here, but I had a feeling they were from um, the same country. But yeah, kind of insane. Um, Viet Pham, top eight it was last year, also top eight at the calling. So um, some some names you'd recognize in the in the calling top eight. Um, ultimately won by, I think Florian drafted Max actually. So and I think of the Ticklos, I think there was four Ticklos in the in the top eight draft, and only one made it through the quarterfinals. So there you go. Mm. Just talks more to what you said about the developing draft meta, right? Yeah, you got to be careful. The, the devs are going to listen to this and start fucking creaming themselves at this like walk back on Teclo. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, we yeah. talked about the meta there being a draft meta. We t- we've talked about it multiple times, so they can go back and listen to the old episodes if they want to. Yeah, I, di- I didn't. I didn't know that. Like, really, kind of. What well, I'm still. I'm not still sure. But what it looked like from the outside looking in, like forcing the hero that you feel most comfortable on, seems to be. I mean, I can't 100 percent say they're a force. <laughs> like Yuki's draft looked like a force from you know a relative force. And obviously, overload script is sort of dynamic, but uh, just the way people are playing the same heroes in day two and day one, like overwhelming, like incredibly, like. The, the amount of people that didn't do that were mm. it was outlier level um 
I didn't really know that about the draft format that you could really go into dash IO and max with that that mentality potentially. And I'm still not sure it's a fact. So we'll, I don't know we'll, if you can. <laughs> I yeah. honestly don't know if you can. If you end up yeah. in one of three dash or max, like it feels pretty bad. So, but maybe maybe these players and I, I would love to talk some more to these players. Like maybe their thing was I'll hedge early picks into the hero I like, and if something else is open, then I then I switch lanes. Like maybe that's sure? maybe because tickle's you, well, open, right? Yeah, I think Yuki was. You can maybe have may have been one of two, I guess. And there was three max in that pod, I think. It was either three max or three dash. Um something like that. Yeah, anyway. Amazing. All right. Do you want to talk about Living Legend and yeah. the 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 really diverse top eight? If you want to break down maybe the the top eight of the Living Legend, um, all the heroes that Roots entered there. Yep. So uh it was all Starva. <laughs> All eight Starva. So the reason for anybody who was who doesn't know why, like, oh, Star- is because Starva so broken? I mean, Starva is broken. Don't get me wrong, but there's definitely other broken heroes in Living Legend. The issue is that Warmonger's recital like owns all the Rune Blades, especially Chain. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be included in that deck, and then also Awakening is legal. Awakening is like probably one of the most toxic cards ever printed because it allows you to play yeah. whatever strategy you want on starvo and then not be punished for your opponents on like an aggro deck or is actually like getting yeah. ahead in tempo right you just flip it immediately with a single card um so i would i would if we're talking about like why is starvo eight of eight in top eight it's really like some of its awakening and um and warmongers i think there's also some cards out of the upf box like there's a new uh guardian card that can like delete all the viscerai rune chants on viscerai combo and uh yeah yeah it's not (laughs) it's not crush but it's like a different keyword i don't remember what it is but yeah i can just like delete 40 rune chants or something (laughs) which is hilarious Um, i didn't realize that yeah civic steps is pretty popular so honestly like vor came decently close to top eighting on kano um because people were underprepared with arcane barrier but yeah Mm -hmm. i mean the ones that were prepared like have the uh the shock charmers and that's really all you should bring uh shock charmers ab1 ab2 is not yeah. that good it's uh yeah it's a uh, shock charmers is seriously good against Kano. so it did, didn't ultimately make it and then the prisms uh didn't make prisms it either, did so. yeah they did well we're gonna we're going to see some bans and restricted maybe not bans sure. but like restriction of cards in living legend pretty soon most probably surrounding awakening warmongers recital uh specifically because there's a lot of playable decks but they just get like the other playable decks really just get deleted by by those two cards unfortunately so yeah i yeah, mean it was cool event, though. people playable. were hyped for it though yeah it's yeah. not playable yeah, yeah. I, so I, it's I, nine I, rounds it's like yeah it was nine rounds points. nine rounds uh people were super excited about it people enjoyed it so the the format's obviously pretty obviously pretty degenerate if you put a star wars in top eight that doesn't mean it's not fun when I heard people had a lot of fun playing the event, and uh, yeah, I think that's a win. I, I'm, I'm, I got excited about it. To be honest, I was very interested in it too. So even yeah, if the gameplay's funky, it seems fun. Two hundred eighty-one players, one hundred twelve Starvo. So sad about like forty percent of the meta. Forty-four Prism, twenty-five Fi, seventeen Lexi, fifteen Briar. So you know things are around. Um, those, yeah. I, a lot of Starvo, and I think it, I had all the Starvo cards in my bag. If I played, I would have also played Starvo. I think it made sense, but I could not bring myself to playing, you know, nine rounds, probably half of which being Starvo mirrors. I just could not be bothered. So, yeah, and the event was won by Lucas Oswald. Um, Went undefeated, I think. Yeah, he did go undefeated. Has been rattling off performances for a while, and the the prize for winning. I'm not sure if this is the only prize, but one of them was a Prism statue, which is like the only one that exists right now. So I'm sure it's going to fetch a pretty penny as well. And the Marvel, right? 
Could be. I don't okay. know. I just know. I just like I said, there could be more prizes. I, I had no idea what the prizes were, but I know Lucas got the statue, and I know there's like none of there aren't any others that exist. So it's definitely gonna sell for a lot of money. Well, it's, they do exist. They're just not out in the wild yet. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it'll sell so, for. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll sell for a lot right now. He gets two thousand US. Uh, the fabled collection prism statue, um, and of course PTI. So um, yeah, congrats to Lucas. I didn't, um, I didn't realize. I honestly didn't even see Lucas. I didn't realize he was there. So <laughs> I saw him, um, but yeah. Uh, overall, I think that it was. Uh, I know we we had some criticisms at the beginning of this pod, um, which I I don't want to set the stage like too negative, but they're important to say so that we can learn from them and create better events of the future. Um, I know. I know. For me, like in terms of like my issues with Tournament Center, some of that stuff, like that's less about the macro of the event. That's more just on my side and. I don't know. I just, uh, I think it was really scummy what they did at the end there with regards to the payment um, and stuff. But ultimately, that's just me and I learned my lesson. Um, but I would say looking at the event as a whole, walking away, Barcelona, uh, plus like, you know, the whole play experience, the casting experience, it was positive. It was, uh, it was a very good experience. And I, it felt like a world championship to me. San Jose in the tent felt less like a world champion. Uh, championship the hype was there because it's the first world championship ever but in terms of like this event being run people showing up for the side events the Sagrada de Familia was huge um, and just the atmosphere the infrastructure uh, in terms of like the support for the players because you know there were mm. good bathrooms there was good food um, that was really good I was I'm I'm happy with the event ultimately and if we had another world championship that mirrored this event but maybe fixed a few things I think we'd be in a great spot yeah I mean, it felt like this was a world championship to me, Brennan, because I wasn't there on day two fighting for top eight. So I don't know, don't know, personally, rubbish, but no. <laughs> it was good. It was great. It was it was a good weekend overall and got to explore Barcelona a bit as well on, on the Saturday, Sunday. So, um, you know, took a bit of a, a break from Fab for the rest of the weekend. Did play the the Sigil, Sagrada Familiar events, but also went and saw eight drank around Barcelona. So um, definitely drank around Barcelona. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. Shout out to shout out to the, the the three floating guys. Um, those guys are awesome, and got to spend some time with them as well. Um, if you haven't, if you aren't checking out their content, you've you've got to be doing it as well. I know they filmed, uh, I think, a, a vlog of the weekend, but also they do the the fight nights, those those um, showdowns. They've got a lot of uh, names on there, plus the games that they play themselves, and their production value is awesome on the on the gameplay content they put out as well. So so make sure to check that out. Sweet. Well, Hayden, anything else to say before we close it out? I, I feel like I've definitely forgotten stuff or I've forgotten people. Um, I just Surely, wanna, yeah. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, to everyone that I interacted with over the weekend, it was overwhelmingly positive and I had such a great time. And if I've forgotten any particular interactions, um, then, then I apologize. But yeah, I just met so many awesome people, got to interact with so many awesome people. And um, yeah, I... I love coming to these events regardless, right? Regardless of the result, regardless of the, the game of flesh and blood, the, the events themselves are, are just are just awesome. And, and spending time with people, friends, um, new friends, acquaintances, et cetera, is, is just gas. Yeah, I'm excited to be, to be playing next year, especially after testing the week before. Um, <laughs> you were, you had the bug, dude. I was half expecting you to just be like, chuck it, like turn around and say, sorry guys, I ain't casting, I'm playing. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I didn't, I dislike draft so much at tier four events. So I, it's not that I don't like draft. I don't like limited. Um, I don't like dual format. 
And that's an opinion. And if you can just, anybody can disagree, that's fine. It's literally just my opinion. I just don't like the dual format. Um, It's actually one of the things that incentivized me to stop playing. Um, And it's, I can't, I'm not going to tell you that a full CC format is more skill expressive or the better player. None of that shit. I'm just saying, I don't like it. (laughs) So that's it. Um, So I don't know. That was, you know, I still had that in the background where I didn't really, I, I wasn't prepared to do bright lights draft anyway to be honest um i don't think like especially after doing the the pods and testing yeah some people worked that far far ahead of me in terms of like the actual micro gameplay they were just better so i would need a lot more work um anyway for those of you listening number one thing you can do is leave us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify we're both on twitter brendan apg finn underscore dale and yeah i don't know we we're so happy so thankful um, just a great, a great experience overall. I mean, Arsenal Pass has come a long way. We're three years in, and these events are why we do what we do. To be honest, at this point, so getting to meet all of you, just the, the less about the tournament, less about the winnings, less about the results, but more just the experience that we can look back and you know, at ten years and twenty years, these will be happy moments in our life, and that's why that's why we keep doing this stuff. So we appreciate you all, and thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. 